Yeah, you guys ready for behind the scenes? We are starting today. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but maybe you've had this conversation. I seem to be having it more now that we have kids, that Melissa and I have, have heard about a news story, something with the economy or something that's going on in our nation, and we say, whoa, what is the world going to be like for our kids in just a couple decades? What is it going to be like for them growing up? Have you ever had that conversation? Or maybe you've worried about your own future. Maybe it's your grandkids. And we look at the future and it scares us. You don't have to read very much of the news to see that, you know, there's a possible recession, that there's high inflation, that there's a war going on in Europe, that there's this balloon that's spying on us as we speak. I guess it shot down yesterday. We see these news stories and they can scare us. We hear about what's getting taught to our kids in the public school and we're thinking, what is going on there? And then we see other things, and, and with, with COVID, we wonder, oh my gosh, another variant coming out? And then we wonder, like, we see that kids have, have fallen behind in their education because of what's going on in COVID, and the, they might not ever catch up. What's going to happen to our economy, to our nation, to our world? And why do they keep finding those documents that are classified all over the place? Like, what is going on in our nation, right? We worry about racism, we worry about hate speech online, about gun violence that happens far too often. All these things can induce fear inside of us. And the fear is actually worse now than it has been at different points in our history. There's this survey that they do every single year. And back in 2000, when the question was asked, um, are you satisfied with the direction of our country, like that we're going in the right direction into the future? In 2000, 69% of people said that they were satisfied in our country. Today, that number is 17%. 17% are satisfied with the direction of our country. In another poll just taken uh, recently that 77% of people who live in the United States would list fear of the future as one of the top stressors in their life. Fear of the future. Fear of the future is something that we deal with as human beings. So how do we deal with it? How do we live with it? The anxiety that seems to maybe go on and on. How do we live with it? That's what this series is going to help us with. It's going to help us with. Because God, who is the author of all of human history, is going to give us this peek behind the scenes. In this section of scripture, he's going to show us a little bit about the future. He's also going to show us a little bit of the supernatural that's going on around us that we can't even see with our human eyes. And I believe that in this series, you are going to be challenged to trust the author even more. Because the author has already written the end of the story. And here's the preview for today's message and really this whole series. You guys ready for it? The big idea? We win. Okay? I'm just going to tell you guys that up front. We win. We win. But yet it helps to see a little bit behind the scenes to help us with our everyday life. Because we shouldn't live in fear all the time. And we're going to move from fear to faith. So we are going to be in one of the weirdest sections of the Bible there is. You guys ready for this? Who's ready to get weird? No, I'm serious. We're getting weird in this series. We're, we're going to start in Daniel chapter 7, and we are going to actually finish Daniel, uh, this book of Daniel. We, we went through the first six chapters 
in the fall. If you missed that, you can go back online and listen or watch any of those messages. And those are the, the stories about Daniel, about Daniel only eating veggies, right? Okay, like that's great. Everybody loves a good, you know, diet strategy. And, and then we hear about Daniel and he gets in the lion's den. And like, there's these great stories that you hear in the kids' church and like, oh yeah, I, I heard those as a little kid growing up in church. Like those are great stories. We, we love those stories. And then the second half of Daniel, most people just ignore because <laughs> it gets weird, it gets weird as Daniel starts to give us these visions that God gives him. He writes them down. So the first ch six chapters of Daniel are these stories, this history that happened. And the second half are Daniel's visions of the supernatural, of the future that are very strange. It's a type of literature, a genre called apocalyptic in the Bible. Don't you like that? Some of you are already getting excited. Apocalyptic. The word apocalypse literally means revealed. Something is being revealed, like God is giving us a behind-the-scenes peek, right? In fact, the book of Revelation, which is mainly apocalyptic, um, is sometimes called the Apocalypse of John because it's revealing something that's going to happen. Some is present, some is future, some is supernatural, and it's weird. It's weird. Um, so... I, I was talking with Melissa about this. She's like, you should warn people about this series <laughs> because some of you are going to love this series. Some of you are going to hate it. <laughs> I think that it's like there, there's two types of people in the world, those who love talking about their dreams and the rest of us who are normal. Like, okay, I'm kidding, okay, but there are people that love talking about the dreams and, and, and as soon as they have a weird dream, they're like, they become like, Sigmund Freud, like, I'm going to analyze this. I know exactly what each symbol means. And then some people are like, oh, it was a dream. Move on, right? And, and that's kind of how it be with Daniel. Because these are dreams. These are visions. They're weird. They're strange. There's these images. There's these animals. What is going on? So some of you are going to love this series. And if that's you, don't obsess about it, okay? I don't want you getting out all your charts and graphs and trying to figure out every single detail, right? Okay, we don't need to obsess about it, and I'll explain in just a second why. And some of you are going to be like, oh my gosh, can we get through this? And what I'm going to tell you, stick with it. In fact, I'm going to challenge everybody to commit to this five-week series. Even if you're traveling, you're sick, you can watch online, subscribe on YouTube. Don't miss any of this series. Commit to all five weeks of it. Because I really do believe God has given us this in his word to help us, especially with our fear of the future. And if that's something you struggle with, you're going to want this series, even though it is weird. Even though it is weird. It's going to help you a lot. So um, this, this genre, apocalyptic, I was trying to think of a metaphor that would help us maybe understand it as we get into these five weeks. And the thing I was thinking of was a magic eye. You guys remember these, the magic eye images? I want to put one up here on the screen, and if we can darken it a little bit. Who in here can see what is hidden in this magic eye? Anybody? Shout it out if you can see it. Anybody? You see Jesus? Well, well he's everywhere, right? That's what the song was. It's not Jesus in the magic eye. Anybody? What? What, what is it? Anybody bold enough to just guess? We're not going to, I'll make fun of you a little bit, but just say it loud. What, what's that? A bunch of squiggly lines. There is a lot of squiggly lines. Yeah, shout it out. Snakes. If you, who in here knows how to do these magic eyes? You got to kind of look at it, go a little cross-eyed, make your eyes a little relaxed. And if you look closely, there is a shark. Anybody see it now? 
No, you still don't see it. Nobody sees the shark? I promise you it's on there. This is actually the easiest one I found. Okay. So some of you are like, what the heck? I don't see anything. All I see is a bunch of little dots that are different colors. What do you mean there's something hidden in there, okay? And some of you see the shark, but if you know how to see these, you kind of just see an outline of something. It's kind of like a 3D image, and you just kind of see the outline of the shark. And I think that's similar. If you've ever done these magic eyes, you know that if you look too closely at the details, you miss everything. You miss the big picture of it. And that's what a lot of people do when they read things like the second half of Daniel or they read the book of Revelation. They try to focus on the details. Well, who is this and what does this number mean and what's going on over here? And they focus so much on these little details, they miss the big picture like the fact that we win. <laughs> the fact that we're supposed to love our neighbors at ourself, as ourselves. Um, like there's these big things that I don't want you to miss. Okay, So we're going to see outlines of things, but we don't necessarily see all the details of how things are going to happen. We just get these images that are going on. But they do help us to get the outline of history. So, without further ado, I know that's a lot of ado, but let's get into Daniel chapter 7. If you have your Bible open with me to Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. If you have um, a smartphone, you can get the YouVersion Bible app and find our event there. So, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, we read this. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. So here is this vision that God has given Daniel. And in case you're wondering what is going on this, if you missed our first series in Daniel, the first six chapters called Thrive in the Fire, let me catch you up. So Daniel was part of God's people living in Israel. And when the Babylonian Empire grew in strength and power, it conquered over Israel and took all the people who were living there and made them move. They were forced to live in exile in Babylon. Daniel, back in 605 BC, would have been one of the first to be captured and brought as a slave into Babylon. And probably as a teenager, maybe as young as 14 or 15 years old, he was brought and he was forced to train and live and become one of the advisors to the king. So Daniel was brought there in 605 BC, and I have the timeline of the first six chapters because it, you know, what, what happens in the, the second six chapters kind of fits in between some of these things. So if Daniel was brought to Babylon in 605 BC as a teenager, now in 550 BC is when he has the first vision that we're going to cover today. And as you can tell on the top, it talks about three different kings that are mentioned in the first three chapters. There's Nebuchadnezzar. He was the great Babylonian emperor. He reigned for a long time. And then one of his descendants, Belshazzar, became the king around 550 BC. We don't know the exact time frame. And then a little later, if you remember back in chapter 6, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the Persian Empire had actually come and then taken over what was the Babylonian Empire. And Daniel lived all through that. So if he was brought to Babylon as a teenager, by 550 BC, that's 55 years later. Meaning he's in his mid-60s, he's lived his entire life, or, since he was a teenager, under this evil empire, and now he's having a dream about the future. And I'm wondering if he's like, oh, are things gonna get better? Uh-uh, okay. So here's this vision that he has. And as we're going through this, this section for the next five weeks, we will cover the entire chapter, but we will not read every word and every verse. 
If we did, you would hate this series even more, okay? We're going to summarize it, and you should read it on your own, because every word and every verse is inspired by God and inerrant. But we're going to cover the big ideas of what's going on here. So what is the vision that Daniel sees at night, this dream that he has to write down and become scripture that God has given us? Well, it has to do with some beasts that come out of the sea. What? Yes, beasts that come out of the sea. I told you apocalyptic literature is weird. It is. Because it has to do with images that are symbols. It's going to start with these animals and really hybrid animals. And these animals represent things. It's not, like God is not saying, hey, in the future, it's going to be like Transformers. Okay, you've seen those movies. It's going to be crazy like that beast in the ocean. No, okay, it's not going to be like that. They are these hybrid animals that represent something. And it's the same thing we do today. We just don't get these images anymore. Because if I say what animal represents the United States, what do you guys say? Bald eagle. If I say something, well, what animal represents China? What would you guys say? Panda, a balloon. Okay. <laughs> Panda or, or, or a dragon, right? There's these images. If I say Republican, you say? Elephant. If I say Democrat, you say? Okay, nobody say ass, okay? Please, okay? Okay, but each animal represents something else, right? And we get this. We get these. It's like the younger generation is like, this is emojis, right? Okay, kind of like that. But the first animal that comes up out of the sea is this lion with wings like an eagle. We're like, what the heck? But Daniel probably would have known exactly what this represents because in his dream, this lion with eagle's wing comes out and then the wings get plucked off the lion. The lion then is given human legs and then a human brain. So that's what he sees with this first creature, this first beast. So what is that? I think Daniel would have known exactly what that means because a lion was the symbol of Babylon. We've even done some excavations. We found this place called the Ishtar Gate in what was ancient Babylon, and there's a great lion over the gate. This was the nation's animal. It represented the nation. So here's this lion, and why does it have wings? Well, wings mean it moves very quickly, and that's what Babylon did. It gained power very quickly over the entire Middle East. And what about the plucking the wings? Well, if you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the great emperor, the first one in Babylon, there was a time where he got really high and full of himself, was flying too high, and he, God wanted to make a lesson for him, and he made him go crazy like an animal. Do you remember this? And he started literally eating the grass because he thought he was a cow until he humbled himself, looked up to heaven, and then God brought him back to give him a human brain once again. So I think Daniel would have seen this first vision. He knows what's going on. Okay, Babylon. Well, what comes next? Well, the second beast that Daniel sees in this dream is a giant bear. And there's weird Aramaic here, but it seems like it's saying that the bear was bigger on one side than the other. It's a lopsided bear. And if you think, oh, that's kind of cute. No, it wasn't because he had ribs coming out of his mouth because he had just devoured something. This is a big, terrifying, gigantic bear, just one side's bigger than the other. Well, what did that represent? Well, the bear was actually a symbol for the Persian Empire. And why did it have three ribs in its mouth? Well, because Persia came and then took over all of Babylon, it had actually already conquered three different nations. So those are the three different ribs sticking out of its mouth. And then it came and actually became more powerful than the Babylonians. 
Daniel would live through this, but at this point, it was still years away from happening. And it did come to pass. Persia came in, as we saw in Daniel chapter 5, if anybody remembers, without a fight, won and took over the Babylonian Empire. So this is future for Daniel, even though it's past for us. So that's the second beast. The third beast that Daniel sees is a leopard with four heads and four wings. Just gets weirder, right? What does this mean? Well, the leopard was a symbol for Greece. Because the Greek empire would come after the Persian empires, and it would be led by a guy by the name of Alexander the Great, who at 18 was one of the greatest generals our world has ever seen. And he moved so quickly, it was like he had four wings. And at 18, he would go and attack armies, and before they were even ready to fight, he had defeated them. And this happened again and again, and his empire was even bigger than the Persian Empire, stretched all the way from modern-day Greece to India. Huge and powerful. Yet, Alexander the Great died at about the age of 32. And from that, nobody could keep that empire together, so four different generals took over after him and split the empire into four parts, hence the four heads of the leopard. It's interesting because we can look back at these three beasts and they fit almost exactly what happened in human history, the three great empires of the ancient world. Daniel was looking ahead. He, he was during the Babylonian Empire. He, he would live into the Persian Empire, but he'd be long dead by the time the Greek Empire came. But he was writing about all these things happening. In other words, God is the author of history. He knows what's coming before it actually happens. And this to us, as we look back and we're like, oh, interesting. But for Daniel, this would have been incredible. He sees what's coming in the future. So I'm telling you, God is the author of history. Even if we don't know what's coming next, what will happen to the United States? Will we go into decline? Or, or will we continue to grow? Will our nation be invaded? Like, what will happen? Will China send more spy balloons and whatever else is coming? We don't know any of it, but God knows exactly what's coming. He knows the future. He's already written it. He's already written it. But what about the fourth beast? Didn't I say there were four beasts? Well, the four beasts, fourth beast is so weird that I want you to read uh, the description of it in verse 7. Daniel writes, After that, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. Now, what kind of animal is that? It actually doesn't tell us. This creature is so weird that Daniel doesn't know what it is. Now, it has ten horns, as we'll be told in just a little bit. Those are ten different kings, ten different leaders. But other than that, a horn just represents strength. We know that these are ten strong leaders. But this nation, it's kind of unclear what it is. Now, the best guess we have, the best guess is that this was Rome. But here's the thing about the Roman Empire. It was stronger. It did use iron weapons and take over even more land than the Greek Empire. But what happens after this, Daniel describes, is that one little horn comes up after the ten horns. This little horn. And it grows eyes and has a mouth and starts talking, okay? If you thought the beasts were weird enough, right? Now there's this little talking horn coming up. And that horn actually became more powerful and more evil than all the other horns that came before it. 
And people look at it and they're like, oh, okay, well, who are the 10 leaders it represents? Is it these 10 emperors of Rome? Some people wonder, well, maybe it's a little bit later than that. Maybe it's in the European Union because at first there was only 10 nations in the European Union. People are like, aha, we figured it out. This is the fourth beast. It's the end of the world. And then an 11th nation joined the European Union and now there's 26. Uh-oh, we got that one wrong. The first three beasts, like, I think are pretty clear which one is which. But when you get to this fourth one, it's like, well, did it start with the Roman Empire? Is, is it the end yet? Because I think that little horn hasn't come yet. And I think that's the problem. None of us know where the end of this is because it hadn't happened yet. Once you get past an event, you can look back and you're like, ah, oh, it fits. But while it's happening or, or before it happens, we're like, I don't know. I'm telling you guys this because nobody knows when the end of the world is going to be. And, and we'll see that this is going to talk about how it ends. But we don't know who this last figure was. Daniel, seeing now the future, should be real calm and peaceful. Shouldn't he? He's like, ah, I've seen the future. I know what's coming. I can go to sleep now, right? But that's not what happens. Verse 15, Daniel says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit. And the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. In other words, he's afraid, right? This is Daniel, and he's afraid. He sees the future. You think, well, now that God has given me this sneak peek, I should be happy, I should be able to go to sleep. And he isn't. He's scared. Verse 16, it says, I approach one of those standing there. We're not told who this is. It's probably some kind of angel. And asked him the meaning of all this. Like, what is going on? Because Daniel is still like, what the heck is happening? So if you're saying, what the heck is happening in this sermon? Okay, you're in good company. Verse 19. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast. He's like, what is that one with the ten horns? I don't even know what kind of animal that is, which was different from all the others and most terrifying. I want to know what that thing is that seems so scary. He's asking this angelic being what it means. He doesn't know. Why am I pointing all this stuff out, that he's terrified, that he's disturbed, that he's fearful? Because Daniel is like you and me. Hi, Sam. I love the first six chapters of Daniel, but man, has he come off perfect, doesn't he? Like, I'm not going to eat the meat that the king gives me. I'm only going to eat vegetables. He does a three-year um, Daniel fast. You guys struggled for 21 days, but he does it for three years. He's great. He's faithful. He's faithful even under multiple evil kings. He goes in there, interprets dreams. He always gets the dreams right. He's bold. He's courageous. He's praying three times a day, even when he will get threatened with death for praying. He's still doing it. He's perfect. He's this great hero of the faith. He gets thrown in the lion's den, and he is just calm the whole time. And I point that out because sometimes we look at heroes of the faith, and we're like, wow, they're incredible, and, and I'm terrible. But guess what? They're all human, just like you and me. And here we see Daniel struggling with fear of the future. He's afraid. What's happening? He even sees it, and he's terrified. He's human like you and me. So if you are afraid of the future, you're in good company. And when you're afraid of what could happen next or, or what is life going to be like for our kids, these are normal human emotions. And this is really important for some of us because I know some of you have been really afraid over the last few years. Some of you are watching online right now because you feel so crippled with social anxiety, you don't even want to come in person anymore. And I'm telling you that God loves you. He sees you, 
And he wants to give you this sneak peek so you don't have to stay there in fear, but can move on to faith. He wants to move us from fear to faith. I want to jump back for a second. We talked about this horn. What the heck is going on with this thing? I'm going, I'm going all over. The, she's look, laughing because I'm like all over the place in the scripture. So it talks about this last horn. And, and let's look um, at verse 19 together. When he said, I wanted to know what the fourth beast was. And then in verse 20, he says, I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up. Uh, he's like, what's going on with all this stuff? And he says that the horn that I looked more imposing than the others and had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. And as I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. Do you see that? Why am I telling you this? Because sometimes things get much worse. We're afraid of the future. That thing that you're afraid of might happen. The United States won't be the superpower forever. Life won't be exactly like we thought it was going to be. Things get worse, and it seems like at the end, things could get much worse. Paul talks about this thing at the end, and using kind of the same language as this here, he talks about somebody called the man of lawlessness that will come at the end. Some people call it the Antichrist. I don't think that's a good title, but it's someone that will come that will be so powerful and will set itself up as God against everything else. And when that happens, things are going to get really bad. And there will be war, and there will be rumors of war, and things will get worse and worse and worse. Why am I telling you this? Because it's reality. It's how human history works. I'm not saying that's going to happen in our lifetime. Everybody thinks this is going to happen in their lifetime. And up till now, 2,000 years, everybody's been wrong. <laughs> Nobody knows. But I'm telling you this, things could get better, but things could get worse. And we need to know that life, history, Fears will happen, and we have to learn to live in spite of those things. This is what fear says. Fear says, what if that happened? Faith says, even if that happens. Fear says, what if things get worse? What, what, what if somebody gets cancer? What if the cancer comes back? What if we lose our job? What if we have no money? Faith says, even if those things happen, we'll make it through. That even if we die on the other end, we'll have new life if we believe in Jesus. And this is what we have to move to. And I think Daniel is slowly getting pushed towards that. We can't say what if, because things might happen, they might not. We should say, even if that happens, God will bring me through. I have to keep moving forward. I have to keep taking steps of faith. We don't say what if, we say even if. Because we win. Things will get worse, but they will get better. I want to show you this now. Verse 9. This is when we're going to jump back. Verse 9. Daniel says, As I looked, after these beasts come, after this last horn, after this war is waged, he says, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The Ancient of Days, do you know who that is? It's God. I love this title for him. This means he was there before days started. He created the first day. He's the author of all things. Before history ever started, he wrote it. He is the ancient of days. 
And he's seated, and he's on his throne, and it says the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him, and thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands, time ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. This is the God of the universe, and he makes any beast, no matter how terrifying it looks, seem like nothing before him. Verse 11, then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. This is the same imagery that occurs in the very end of the Bible in Revelation. That finally, the enemy of God, the beast, Satan, will be slain and thrown into the lake of fire forever. All evil will be defeated And we will win. This is amazing. Now jump down to verse 27 with me. It says, Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Meaning all the kings, all the empires, all the nations that have ever come and gone will go and bow before the Ancient of Days. And he will rule forever. And what's even more amazing is that we will reign with him. Does he, do you see that? We'll be given to the holy people of God. That's us. We will reign with the king. And that's why I'm saying the big idea today is we win. We win together if we're on the right side of the ancient of days. We win. The enemy is defeated. And that's so important because we live in the day where headlines are all about making you terrified. If you read the news, if you watch the news, if you listen to it, you will be terrified. I talked with one guy who was listening to Glenn Beck for three hours every night. Like, you're going to be just terrified and anxious all the time, and he was. Because when we, when we just get into these news stories, headlines over the last 20 years have increased um, in inducing anger by 104%, just by the headlines they do then Sunday, like inducing anger by 104%, and inducing fear, they're 150% more fear-mongering than they were 20 years ago. And this is way worse in the United States than anywhere else in the world. They sell fear to us all the time. And if we just look at that, you will be terrified. There's something every single day, 10 things every single day. What's going on? And yet, when we read this, we get to read the very end of the story. Sure, things will get good. Things will get bad. They'll get better. Then they'll get worse. Things will happen. It, we, we, sometimes there are people that are very cynical, but there's also people that are very like, oh, our, everything in society is progressing and getting better. And they forget that in the last hundred years, there has been more death, more murder, more genocide than in any other time in human history up till now, combined. Like, maybe we're in a good phase right now, but who knows how bad it could get. But we know the end of the story because it's already been written. And we win. Why are we living in fear? Why are we choosing to go again and again to fear and and headlines that are just leaving us terrified? Verse 28. I wanted you guys to see this, though, because I think it's helpful for us. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Why do I say this? Daniel was still struggling with fear after seeing the end of the story. 
So if you leave here today and you still have some anxiety, or you maybe feel good for a few weeks, you're doing great with faith, and then you fall back into some fear, you're in good company. But God wants us to know that we don't have to live there in fear. We can move past it because we know the end of the story. And we know who brings the end. Okay, I want to show you one more scripture. Verse 13. Daniel says this. He says, In my vision, at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Do you know who that is? It's Jesus, it's the Messiah. And he's coming into the presence of the Ancient of Days, meaning he is equal to the Father, the Creator. And he's going in there, and it says in verse 14, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Every nation, every kingdom will fall, but Jesus' kingdom will last forever. And we know this is about Jesus because Jesus quoted this verse multiple times. Daniel chapter 7 is quoted or referenced some 40 plus times in the New Testament. This chapter might be weird, but Jesus knew this chapter. And do you know what he called himself? The Son of Man. It didn't just mean that he was human like us. He was. He dealt with all the things that stress us and make us afraid. He dealt with all that as a human being. But he was also equal with the Father. He's God himself. Jesus is called the Son of Man 81 times in the Gospels. 78 coming out of Jesus' own mouth. He called himself the Son of Man, and this is what he was talking about. In fact, he quoted this very verse on the night he was arrested. In Matthew chapter 26, a night filled with fear. His disciples, when he got arrested, they ran away afraid. They were terrified. They were cowering and huddling together. Peter denied even knowing Jesus because he was so afraid. And Jesus was put on trial for crimes that he did not commit. And when he stood before the high priest, the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And he responded, You have said so, he replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. He quoted this verse, saying that Son of Man who is equal with the Father, that's me. And I'm going to be coming and reigning forever and ever, coming on the clouds in power. I will come. And in a moment that he should have been terrified, he was bold even when they put him on the cross and they killed him. And it looked like the beast had won, like evil had conquered over good, that God had been defeated. But God is the author of history and he had written the end of the story and he knew that Jesus wouldn't stay in the grave. Instead, he raised Jesus from the dead on the third day and Jesus came and lived among us for 40 days before he ascended to heaven. And do you know where he is right now? seated at the right hand of the Ancient of Days. And he promised us that one day he will come back on a cloud in glory. And then when he comes, every knee will bow before him and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. 
And when Jesus comes again, it will be that people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people come and bow before him. If you're afraid of hate speech and racism, well, one day when Jesus comes back, people from all those tribes will bow before the lamb. If you're afraid of war and gun violence, one day all of that will be made into peace and there will be healing for the nations when Jesus comes again. And if you're afraid of sickness and sorrow, pain and death, one day Jesus will make it all right and there will be no more COVID or cancer or gender dysphoria or anything that ails us right now. All will be made right when Jesus comes again. And that's what we look forward to. And whatever fear you're facing right now, we look forward to Jesus coming again, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we will all bow before the Ancient of Days. So I'm telling you this because some of you need to stop living in fear all the time. It's time to move forward in faith. We know the Ancient of Days. We know the author of all of human history. And guess what? We win. We win. We've seen the end. No matter what happens, we win. It's time to move forward in faith. And others of you, you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior so that you can get on the winning team. I'm telling you this, you've got to make a decision so that you don't go the way of the beast thrown into the lake of fire, but instead you will stand with the King of Kings and reign with him forever. So would everybody close your eyes right now if you're able, close your eyes. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond. Some of you need to choose the winning team. I want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus' gift of forgiveness that he bought for you on the cross when he died. And all you need to do is say a simple prayer. It's not magical. It's just a way that you can declare that with your lips. And when you do, you will be saved. So if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you and walk in faith until we win. Now with eyes closed, if you made that decision today, if Jesus today is your Lord and Savior, for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. So put your hand high in the air on the count of three. One, two, three. Put your hand in the air if you made that decision today. Praise God, we celebrate with you. Lord God, we look forward to that day. It might get scary, we might be afraid, but we're going to turn to you again and again in faith. Overcome our fear of the future. Overcome our fear of what might happen to us. And let us know that we win that you are with us, and we will have the strength to face whatever comes. Pray, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.